Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. We are in Luke chapter 10. Now, I appreciate so much Luke uh, in the youth group, Colorado kids covering, um, covering the service last week. Got to sneak out of town for a little bit, so that was kind of cool. Um, I've heard nothing but good things. I heard the youth group was good, and it was funny because they all, they all said the same thing, like, who's, the, who's that one kid? He's a real card. That's what they kept saying over and over. So if you were here, you probably know exactly who that was. So um, Luke is out of town. This will be his, I think, his final week out of town doing baseball stuff, and then he'll be back. So, um, so let's, uh, let's jump into this passage. We're in Luke chapter 10. Verses 1 through 9. Before we dive in, uh, I think we can agree on, on one thing. Like, we have problems. Some of you are like, some people do. No, you, we collectively agreed have problems. I don't mean like he's got a problem. I mean like we got problems. Like, we have things that show up in our life and they're hard, they're difficult. Um, Sometimes you are dealt a crappy hand, you know? Like you're just dealt cards that are just bad cards. And you've got to figure out how, to, how, to, how do you play? I mean, how do, you, how do you play? How do you stay in the game? You got dealt some garbage cards. And we have problems. Some of us, like, like we were the dealer and we dealt ourselves a crap hand, right? Like we did it to ourselves. Like we created the mess that we are in. We have problems and we're here. Some of us have problems because we decided that we would, we would do the bravest thing the human heart can do and we will love someone else. And because you chose to love someone else and not be a selfish individual, you chose to love somebody else, you made yourself vulnerable to pain through somebody else. So somebody else goes through pain and they go through hurt and they go through trying relationships and then you hurt because of them. Now listen, I don't care how you get across town. Take the bus, the train, a plane. Doesn't make any difference. Problems still show up in your front door. Now maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, I don't really think life's that hard. Oh, oh, well, I got two, 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 small, two small pieces of, uh, of advice I'd like, to, I'd like to offer you. I don't think life's that hard, Jared. It's just, it's simple. All you got to do is, okay, okay, I, I hear you, but here would be my advice. Just be patient. You'll get yours. <laughs> All right? You'll get yours. Don't. And there'll be a time you'll be like, oh, now I get Yes, you'll get yours. And, and, if that's, and if that's not the case, then you better have a very good prayer life, and you better be thanking God for every good thing that's in your life. And, and th- that needs to happen. Life is hard. It can be complicated. It can be painful. It doesn't matter what mode of transportation it happens. What mode of transportation that it uses to show up on your front door. It's coming to your front door. The passage of Scripture that we're looking at today, Luke chapter 10, 1 through 9, begins with a very funny introduction. Very funny. It's very, very comedic. But it's only comedic if you read the first two words and then you go back and you read like the 10 or 15 verses before it. It's only comedic then. 
So the first two words in chapter 10 are after this, after this, which if you read after this, you know what you're supposed to do, right? What happened before that? Anybody know? Nobody? Okay. Well, maybe we should take a look at it. Um, so here's what happens after this, uh, before after this. Jesus tries to go through Samaria. Remember this? He tries to travel through Samaria, and when they found out he was headed to Jerusalem, they said, no, go around. Go around. We don't want you coming through here. If you're just using us to pass through town, then go around. That really wasn't the, the case. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, but he was going to he was going to bless those in Samaria because that's what he did everywhere he went. But they said, no, you're going to Jerusalem? No. So Jesus had to go around. The next thing that happened was Jesus had a conversation with three individuals. <laughs> Two individuals ask or, or tell Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere, Lord, because that's the kind of guy I am. And then the Lord was like, you know, like we're not staying at the Hilton. Like, uh, the pillows aren't soft where we sleep in the fields. Like, we don't have a home. And he's like, uh, like, you don't stay at, like, the Marriott? No, we don't stay at the Marriott. You don't have a house at all? No. Uh, well, look at, look at the time. And disappeared. Another guy, Jesus says, come follow me. And he says, love to. Love to. Got a couple things I got to iron out at home. And, and once I get that done, how about then? Jesus is like, Whatever. And then another guy comes up, I'd love to, but I also have some stuff going on at home. And then Jesus is like, uh, okay, well, if you can't come now, then, then don't worry about it. And they, and they go. So, so, so remember what happens. He's rejected, and then three people show up, and they want to be disciples. And then Jesus says, I don't think they're really up to snuff. And then after this, now we're there. After this, chapter 10. The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the disciples, under their breath, in my imagination, are saying this, the harvest is plentiful? Nobody really likes you. There's all these people? Where's all the people? Here's the church. Here's the steeple, right? Open the door. See no people. Across the street, in the bar, open the doors. There they are, right? Maybe not. Where's the people? The harvest is plentiful. Is it really is it really? Is it really plentiful? Plentiful? Did so much so we need 72 more people here? If you showed up here on a Sunday morning and I said, here's the good news. We hired 70 people um, here at the church who are also going to minister to you. And you'd be like, you hired 70 people? For what? The future. You're like, you're insane. You hired 70 more people for the future? Does it make any sense at all? Unless you're Jesus, of course. Because there's a perspective 
that Jesus seemed to have that a lot of the other people did not have. The disciples didn't have. Sometimes we don't have. Jesus is looking out past the horizon, past the landscape, into the future of the kingdom of God, and he is saying, we're going to need more people. We're going to need more help. And the disciples are standing there like, look, you just rejected three different dudes just a minute ago. Like, you can't build a church by standing at the door telling people, uh, no, no. You can't do that. And even in the places to where you go in and we're just kind of trying to pass through, you're going to offer up miracles, they don't want you there either. What are you talking about? But Jesus has a heavenly perspective. I think one of the principles for us is this. If we have a heavenly perspective, that changes the way that we live. It changes the things that we talk about. It changes the way that we treat the people around us. If we have a heavenly perspective. Jesus is looking out past the horizon, past the rejection, past the excuses, past all the problems, and he's saying, this is going to be big. And the disciples are like, I don't see big. I see danger, but I don't see big. And Jesus is like, no, this is, this is going to be big. So we come to chapter 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then Jesus says this. Now, here's a problem that preachers have. Uh, and I don't put myself in that category because I don't. I, don't, I, don't uh, I put myself in that category because I have this problem. But don't call me preacher or whatever. Don't, don't, don't use weird names. Um, so, so it says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Listen to this. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into what? His harvest field. You know what we like to do? If preachers get together in a room, you know what they always say? My congregation, my people, my congregation, my people. And Jesus is stopping right here and he's like, look, this is God's deal. You need to be asking God to send more workers into into the harvest, into the, into the fields. This is what we need to do. Ask God to send more people out there. What, but I don't think anybody's interested in Jesus, Jared. I don't, I really don't. If they, if, is this secret church? No, it's not secret church, right? It's not a secret. There's a sign out front, right? It says Sunday, what time? 1038. At least that's what I think it says. <laughs> 10.30. Like, it's not a secret that we are here, correct? There's a parking lot. Did any of you wear glasses and a mustache? I mean, unless you have glasses and a mustache, but I mean <laughs> fake glasses and a mustache in here. No, this is not a secret. If people were interested in being here, then they would be here. And that's the mentality, but that's not a heavenly perspective. Do you know what current... What current, current research shows, 82% of people would go to church if they were invited by a friend. 82% would go. Statistics also say 
2% of church-going folks will invite somebody to church in any given year. 2% will invite somebody to church. Seven out of ten people throughout the United States, seven out of ten have never been invited to church. Isn't that strange? The Great Commission, go into all the world. Stop, Jesus. Whoa. Can we put a sign in the yard and hope they see it? Yes, you can. But let me finish what I was saying. Go into all the... Well, uh, can we go to crowded parking lots and put stuff under windshields? Yeah, it seems weird, but you can do it if you want. It's big. It's, it's whatever. What are, what are you going to do? But, but what I was saying was, go into all the world and stop. Hold on, Jesus. One more, one more question. One more question. Um, can I put like Bible verses on my Facebook page? Yeah, that'd be fine. Um, but there's another thing I, I need you to do. What is it? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Like, we struggle with the invite somebody to church part, right? We struggle with that part. Oh, should I ask him? I don't want to be a weirdo. I'm not the sandwich sign guy, right? Like, I'm not, this there. I'm not that guy. I don't want to, don't, I'm not a crazy man. Do you want to go to church with me? I wouldn't if I were you. <laughs> this is the stuff that goes through our mind. Why don't we? You have people that you love. You have people that you care about. Why don't you invite them? Well, there's only a couple of lines of logic we can follow, correct? Either you show up here for some weird reason other than it's doing you some sort of good in your heart. I don't know what that reason would be. It's weird, whatever it is. I promise you. I really like the coffee. Okay, call Jay. Have him swing by in the morning. He'll make you some, all right? <laughs> don't come here to do it. That's just... I don't know. The, 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 the decor. Okay. I don't know where you live, but... Uh, we struggle with the invite somebody to church part. How do we get to the preach the gospel part? I think we're behind. I think as a church, we're behind. You see, because a lot of times I think we see the church as this, and we hear people say it, it's a hospital. The church is a hospital for sinners. Well, it is, but it's, that's not its entirety, right? It, that doesn't sum it up completely, does it? Because it should be a collection of disciples. Disciples who follow a master, who worship a king, who obey the commands, who carry out the commission. It's supposed to be disciples. You realize there's not like tears, right? Well, I'm just kind of a junior level, so I don't really have to do that. Oh, good, good. Uh, we should get together. We should do a Bible study sometime. Because I have no idea where you got that. <laughs> yeah, well, but I'm kind of a junior level, and I think he's going to be easier on me because I'm not, I'm kind of not, I'm not really good at this. And plus, I don't like to talk in front of people. Oh, 
that really wasn't an option either. Like, Jesus didn't, like, offer that. Go into all the world and preach the gospel unless, of course, you're shy. Then don't. But it's not the case. It's man up, do the thing. Oh, is it going to suck? Probably. Probably so. Yeah, but what about that deal that, you know, people say all the time, preach everywhere you go and use words if necessary. I think that's catchy too. Unfortunately, inaccurate. It's a good start if we had a tier system, but we don't, so we have to do the thing. And he calls us to something higher and harder. So the other line to logic is this. Then you don't care about the people who are in your life. Well, that's not true. I do care about the people in my life. Then what's the problem? Oh, I don't want to do it. I just don't. I just don't want to do it. It could ruin a friendship. Is it worth that? If, if that could ruin the friendship, listen close. If inviting one of your friends to church ruins the friendship, you have, I'm going to curb my language, a very poor understanding of what friendship is. You with me? Well, I don't want to mess up the friendship. Okay, then you don't understand what friendship is. That does, that does, that's, if that's going to set it off, it's not going to work. Now, let me put the small print in. We'll get there. We'll get there in a minute. Luke chapter 10, verse 3. So, how do we carry out this great commission where we're in a place to where this is hard. It's hard to invite people because we are of the mindset, I don't want to bother someone. I don't want to be a crazy man. I don't want to say, hey, you want to come to church with us? And then Jared preaches on something weird and then they go home and they're like, never going back. He's a psycho. No, that's a, that that's, it might be a legitimate reason why you wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't want to fight somebody. That would actually make sense. So, Luke chapter 10, verse 3. <clears throat> Go. You see it? <clears throat> we don't have it up here. Luke chapter 10, verse 3. First word. Go. Go. Where are we going? Go. Go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. <laughs> the Lord never romantically led you along, convinced you to believe something like once you hide your heart and your salvation in Him, life will be a primrose path. Did he promise any of you this? Do you have that understanding? I gave my life to Jesus and then everything blew up. Yeah. But I think you've kind of got it messed up a little bit. It's going to blow up anyway. We agree, right? Like the world is going to break apart anyway. Trouble is coming anyway. Where the Lord woos us is when he walks beside us through the terrible times, convincing us all along that we can actually make it. And we endure circumstances that crush other people. 
because we have him. He says, there is, there's absolutely no, I didn't hide this from you. You are lambs, and I'm sending you out among the wolves. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. It's going to be terrifying. There's going to be people who reject it. The disciples endured that rejection. We too will endure this rejection. But as we extend our hand out to the world, listen, promise, it will get bitten. But the scars on your hand will not ever rival the scars on his. It will be bitten. But this is what he's called us to do. Verse 4. So what does it look like? How do we do it? Do not take a purse, a bag, sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. Some of you are like, good, I don't wear sandals, and plus I don't like to talk to people. Good. For the disciples, it was this. Don't go home and start packing your bag because I'm sending you out into the world. Don't start thinking, well, I'm going to need this, and I'm going to need this, and I'm going to need this. What he said is, the urgency is go. This is urgency and faith combined. Go. Be snappy. Go. The Jewish, the Jewish when you met somebody who was, who was a fellow Jew, it was an elaborate, kind of an elaborate, ongoing greeting. Oh, shalom, and a hug, and a kiss, and it was all this deal. And Jesus says, don't talk to anyone. Just go. Just go. It's that important. The principle for us isn't quite the same. The principle for us is this. Even your hello is the introduction to your sermon. Even your hello must be directed to people in the sense of God is doing a work in their life. Because I have a heavenly perspective, I believe that God is busily working in their life long before I ever get to them, before I ever invite them, before I ever share some story from my life. God is already making himself um, present to them. God is working there. I have to trust what he's doing. Me looking at God and saying I have faith in him is me saying I do not see what you see, but I choose to believe what you see. I choose to believe what it is you see. If you say it's coming, then it's coming. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. This is a sense of urgency we carry out and our faith is leaning on the fact that God is doing the work in their life already. Let me ask you this. If your neighbors nearby knew you were a Christian and they had known for several years that you were a Christian and what if they sat in their home and they said to themselves, you know, it's so crazy. I know about everything about their church because they talk about church all the time. But not one time have they ever invited me. I would love to just go, but I wouldn't want to intrude. Probably just leave it alone. Like, that would be a shameful thing to know. That they're hurting, that they're broken, that they're busted, that their marriage is hurting, that their kids are in trouble. I don't know. I don't want them to think I'm crazy. I think it'd be worth it. Plus, they probably already think you're insane anyway. Verse 5. When you enter a house, Jesus tells these disciples, 
First say, peace to this house. If the man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. It's a message of peace. When we go out to share anything with other people, it's a message of peace. First and foremost, it's a message of peace. And so what Jesus tells them is when you get to a place and you begin to share your message of peace and somebody says, oh, really? It's made that much of a difference in your life? Going to church, accepting Christ, living for him has made that much of a difference in your life? What? Tell me more about it. Then what Jesus says is, tell them more about it. But, but if they do not accept it, then take your peaceful message elsewhere. And inevitably, there will be somebody here who is just like, can I tell them they're going to hell first? Because I really like to tell them they're probably going to go to hell because that's important for them to know. If they don't accept Jesus, they're going to burn in hell. I want to tell them. Shouldn't I tell them that? Okay. Um, appreciate your zealousness. Here's the thing. It's a message of peace, first and foremost. Jesus did not say, then take your peace, give them the bird, and move on down the road. Take your peace, tell them they're going to hell, and move on down the road. You don't get to make the call. It's not your call. Let me, let me take you back to a previous conversation we had earlier. Some people have not got to the place in their life to where they have said, I think I need help. The only thing they've got to is, you know what? I don't think life's that hard. And our response is, okay. Just wait. You'll get yours. It, it, it's going to come. It's going to happen. And at that point, hopefully, you'll reach out and you'll know. But if you are not a man of peace, why would they ever approach you? They wouldn't approach us. To, to be clear, you don't need to tell somebody that they're going to hell. Okay, that's, that's, let me take this a step further, just, just for a second. If, you're, if your understanding of the gospel message is simply an insurance policy to keep people from hell, a hell in the future, I think it's rubbish. If that's what you think the gospel message is, is, is a security system set up so that you don't go to hell in the future, that's a rubbish, rubbish message. Because most of the people I know are less concerned about the hell that's coming and more concerned about the hell they're in currently. Is there something for the now? Yes, there is. There is something for the now. And that is our message to them, a message of peace, a message of community, to tell people that we love them, that we care about them. Verse 7, stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Jesus told his disciples this so that they would not jockey for a better position. So they would not jockey for a better position. They get to a house, like, oh, this is nice. And somebody's like, well, maybe you should come stay with me. I have more rooms. You know what this is? Here's the principle for us loyalty. Loyalty. Commit to the people who God puts in your life. Commit to them. And that's hard. Commit to them. Commit to loving them, to caring about them. 
God has put them in your life for a reason. Commit to them. The next thing he says, eating and drinking whatever they give you for a worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Um, verse, uh, verse eight, when you enter a town and you are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Do you know what this is? You know, what's, you know, what, you know what men hate? Men hate doing some sort of terrible task like like clean out the garage when the wife comes out and she's like hey would you clean out the garage or would you you know you vacuum out my car or whatever whatever it might be you go rake all the grass up um can i get a leaf blower just blow it into the neighbor's yard can we so we do something different whatever it is some horrible task the only thing for me this is what it comes down to i hate doing some stuff just by myself like this is terrible i don't want to do this by myself i really need help but you know what I hate worse than doing great big tasks like that by myself? is asking someone else to help me. <laughs> like every man was like, Ugh. yeah. Do you want to do it by yourself? No. Do you want to call one of your friends? Heck no. No. Why? Because then it's weird and I'll owe him and then he'll hold it over my head. Or, no, I don't want to. I've... I'm probably going to mess it up in front of him and I don't want to see me mess it up. No. No. I don't want to. The principle for us is this. Sometimes the best avenue for you to share the gospel message is for you to be indebted to somebody else. You with me? For you to be indebted to somebody else. Do you need help with something? There are people who would love to help. Who would love to help. People who live nearby you, who would love to help. And you say, you know what? I have this thing. I, can't, I don't know how to do it. Can you help me out? Well, that's, that's right at my alley. That's what I do. Sometimes being indebted to somebody is one of the quickest ways for you to take the gospel message and say, man, I sure appreciate it. I don't know how I can repay you. If you ever need anything, let me know. You know, we'd love to have you over for dinner. You want to come over to the house some evening? wife makes a mean spaghetti you know it'd be great come to church with us on Sunday if you want you can eat with us afterwards one of the quickest ways is to be indebted to somebody else final thought Luke chapter 10 verse 9 heal the sick who were there and tell them the kingdom of God is near Heal the sick who are there and tell them that the kingdom of God is near. The work of a Christian is 100% good deeds for other people. And the work of a Christian is 100% vocalizing your faith in Jesus. Both. Both. Well, I I'm really don't like to talk about my faith because I think it might make people uncomfortable. Here's the problem with that. If you just do good deeds, all you've done is given them the impression that you're a great person, not that your God is a great God. You've only given them the impression that you are a knockout kind of guy. And that has a little bit more to do with pride than anything else. See, the, on the other hand, if you are a person who is super good at proclaiming the gospel, but your actions are terrible, 
you have also done our team no good. Because that doesn't work. It is 100% good deeds and it is 100% vocalizing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Now, absolutely, some of you will be like, look, I will pull the motor out of their car and I will fix it and I will put it back and I will tell them, you know what? Listen, God's been good to me. I just want to find a way to be good to you. That's as much as I can do. Hey, fella, good work. Good work. Then there's people like me. I can take the motor. I can't take the motor out, all right? I can't take the motor out. I can't, I, I really couldn't take the motor out. I might introduce you to a guy who could take the motor out. I'll help you. I'll stand by you while you take the motor out. I'll cheer you on. I'll pray for you while you... But it is while we do our good deeds, while we heal the sick, we tell them that the kingdom of God is near. So what does this mean? The kingdom of God is near. I thought the kingdom of God was coming. Well, it is coming. And it's near. And it's near. It's near and coming. Yes, it's near. And it's coming. It's here now. And it's not here yet. That's the kingdom of God. When Rome began to advance and take over places, as they just begin to just move over, the, over all of the territory, they would take this place and then they would take this place and they would take this place. Every single time that they would move into another area and they would take it over, they immediately begin to build temples all over the place. They begin to change the way the place looked begin to put up these idols, these busts of these leaders. They would change the name of the place. Do you know why? Just in case, just in case Caesar ever came here, it would be just like home. Oh, it's just like home. It is both here and on its way. Rome is coming, and it is not here yet. But it is here. And see, for us, it's the same way. We are telling them, listen, the reason we help, the reason we heal, the reason we encourage, the reason we extend a hand, the reason that we financially give money to people, the reason that we, that we extend any sort of hospitality from ourselves forward is so that we can give them some sort of indication of in the future, when the kingdom of God is here, here, this is what it will be like. It is both now and not yet. But this is what it will be like. The ministry of Jesus all the way through the gospel is that. Every healing, every teaching, every, le every lesson, every bit of encouragement that he gave was to say, this is what it will be like in the future. But here is some now. Great English preacher Charles Spurgeon. Um, preached in the 1800s. When he died, there were like 60,000 like 60, people who went to his funeral. He caused massive revival. They called him the preacher's preacher. When Charles Spurgeon, before Charles Spurgeon died, this is what he said. Every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. My challenge for you today is this. Don't be scared. 
Don't be scared. Don't be scared to invite somebody. Don't be scared to tell somebody what God has done in your life. It doesn't make any difference if the story is a great story or if it's a crap story. You want to know what God's done for me? I'm here. I'm here. Honestly, didn't think I would be, but I'm here. And that's kind of big. That's what he's done for us. He's here. He's moved in our lives. He's moved in our hearts. That's the message that we take forward. And while we heal, we tell them, this is what it's going to be like in the future. This is what it's going to be like in the future.